And when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. What New Testament verse does that remind you of? For all have, very good, Jameis, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Also, there is no one who is righteous, not even one, and other passages like, this would be a support verse for all of those. At home in your catechism, um, uh, you often, under a, under a doctrine, will have one or two verses, you know, so this one might not also be listed, but it would be a support passage you get in a doctrinal book. Some of you went to uh, DMLC once upon a time, and you might have a doctrinal textbook by, did you use Kaler? Once upon a, Edward Kaler, Summary of Christian Doctrine, that you might have the maroon hardcover, the serious one, uh, and uh, I had to buy the white paperback, but uh, yeah, but I, I, I've got a maroon one now, though, it's, it's okay, don't pity me, but uh, I'm, I'm in the middle, no, I'm not quite in the middle, one thing that it lacked that I always didn't like, it doesn't have an index of the passages, and I'm working on that myself. I'd like a volunteer to do that for me, but I don't see any hands going up, so, okay. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the library, but, and all the copies, all the, all the editions are identical. So as long as page number is a page number is a page number, that's pretty cool. All right, so when you become angry with them and you give them up to an enemy and they're taken captive to a land, whether far or near, and when they come to their senses in the land to which they were carried and they repent and plead to you for mercy in the land where they were exiled, he's really using specific words, isn't he, Solomon? And they say, we have sinned, we have been guilty, we have done evil, and they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land where they are exiled. And they pray toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, and toward the city which you have chosen. There isn't a period yet in this sentence. And toward your, the house which I have built for your name, then from heaven, again, he doesn't live in the temple, from your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea for mercy, and provide justice for them and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Exiles praying for mercy. And what does Solomon ask God to do for the exiles? Listen and forgive. What does Solomon not ask God to do for the exiles? Bring them back, return them. He doesn't ask that here. So Brad was asking about foreshadowing things. You know, it doesn't ask for the exiles to be returned. Okay, we're in Second Chronicles 6, um, at the very end of the chapter, and Solomon has finished his petitions, and now he concludes with, I think it's a three-verse uh, summary here. Now, please, my God, I ask that your eyes will be open and your ears attentive to prayer offered at this place. Does God have eyes and ears? No. Uh, what do we call that? When you assign human, uh, human things to God? Anthropomorphism. Very good. Yeah. Of course, one person of the Trinity does have eyes and ears, right? Jesus. 
But he didn't at this point. He's not incarnate yet. Jesus, the Son of God, exists. He's eternal with God the Father. But we're in uh, about the year 970 B.C. here. That's before the birth of Christ. Um, So the Son of God is there, but he hasn't taken on human flesh yet. But anyway... Eyes open, ears attentive to prayer offered. And I I make a point there because we're coming back to those same words later. Now arise, Lord God, to enter your resting place, you and the ark of your power. Um, What do they call the cover of the ark of the covenant? The atonement cover and the mercy seat. Yeah. With pointy, sharp gold angels on top of it. Not a very comfortable seat, but that's what, that's what it's called sometimes, is the mercy seat. This is where God rests. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful ones rejoice in goodness. And the last verse of the chapter, Lord God, you will not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember the mercy promised to your servant, David. Now, that last benediction and request Um, is for God to remember his anointed one. Even after they did get carried off into exile, did God remember his anointed one? Yeah. This prayer, if we just want to look at a, this isn't even a complete outline, but kind of. Um, So the oath of a sinner, number two, where there is sword due to sin. And then you look at number six, when they pray before battle, so there's a similar battle thing. And number one and seven, there is a, just the oath of a sinner or when they have sinned. And then the middle three, when there is drought or famine or when a foreigner prays. There were other things in there too, but there's a lot in this prayer. The specific things that Solomon prays for. No matter who is sorry, forgive them. No matter what the circumstances, forgive them. That's the basics of the prayer, isn't it? Dedication of the temple. Now God is going to respond. But first, we have uh, the setting in chapter 7. This is a shorter chapter. The setting in chapter 7 actually takes us back to chapter 5. And what's going on in chapter 5 is the temple has been finished. This big marble edifice is done, or stone, uh, limestone probably. And, um, uh, And... Something happened when, when, they, uh, they, when they dedicated the temple and made the first sacrifices. Remember what happened inside the building? Yeah, in chapter 5, it filled with smoke. It's the glory of the Lord, which had happened earlier in the days of Moses when uh, 900 to 400, 500 years earlier, um, Moses dedicated the, the, the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord, the smoke filled the tent. And now it happens again at the and and um, the impression we get is that all through this prayer of Solomon's, the smoke is still there in the building. Um, and I have a reason for saying that. So let's let's get into our chapter here, chapter seven. When Solomon finished praying. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the house. The priests were not able to go into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Verse 2 is almost completely taken from 
uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. So it's the same verse, basically. And a question that uh, uh, two commentators that I'm not very proud of asked is, so did the glory of the Lord lift and then come down again? Or was it there the whole time? Well, what's happening in verse 1? What comes down? Fire, not smoke. Yeah. Um, and and, and the, the second sentence in verse 1, the glory of the Lord filled the house, um, could also be perfectly well understood as what we would in English call a perfect rather than a present tense, which is what this is. And in the perfect tense, it would be the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So it's still there. I think the smoke is still there. And then one guy also asked, of these commentators I'm not proud of, asked, are there two different prayers? Because the prayer in Kings is not exactly the same. So are there, uh, you know, or was it the same? And I, I, my question is, does that guy go to a church where they only do one prayer? You know, have you ever been to a church where there's more than one prayer said? You know, I'm... But it makes me wonder about some commentators, whether they often go to church. Um, is it possible that there's a guy who's writing about the word of God and he himself doesn't bother to go to church? Yeah. Yeah, it's very possible. Who wrote, um, in the, the, who's the French guy who wrote Leviathan? Is that uh, Descartes? Or who was he? Had rejected Christianity altogether. And then he writes a commentary on on uh, on Revelation. You know, what are you doing? You know. I, I, so anyway, let's go on. Uh, oh, I've got the slides in the wrong order. Okay, verse three. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down, boom, and the glory of the Lord over the house. So we've got smoke in the te- in the temple. Fire on the on the altar and the pillar, or something similar to it, the cloud, the, the, the enveloping cloud, the glory in the sky. They bowed to the ground with their faces on the pavement, and they worshipped, giving thanks to the Lord. And this again is a repeat from something in chapter 5. Truly or amen, he is good, because his mercy endures forever. The king and all the peoples we're offering sacrifices before the Lord. In chapter 5, we were told that these sacrifices were too many to be counted. Well, now in chapter 7, somebody counted. So, so the King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle. Those would be bulls, not, not cows or heifers, but bulls. And 120,000 sheep. The king and all the people dedicated the house of the Lord. Um, now, Solomon offered a sacrifice. Remember, when the people brought sacrifices, if you brought a, a sacrifice yourself, who slaughtered it? You did. Yeah. Um, does that mean that Solomon held the knife 22,000 times on this? We found out later it was a week, by the way, not a day, but a whole week. But I think he brought them. I, I, if I were Solomon, no, if you were Solomon, how would you offer 22,000 bulls? I'd make my brother do some of it. 
Yeah, I think that's what Solomon probably did. So, I meant Tom. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, and 120,000 sheep. So yeah, get the kids in here, whatever. But um, but then they had to, it had to be burned. We're going to burn all this. The, I mean, even Solomon's altar is only so big, right? What are you going to do? So they dedicated the house of God, and I got a verse out of order. The priests stood at their assigned positions. The Levites, using the musical instruments for the Lord. There's kind of an interlude here which ironically is a musical interlude, um, which the King David had made to give thanks to the Lord because his mercy endures forever, were offering praises written by David. The priests who blew the trumpets stood across from them. All Israel was standing there. So there's not only now butchery, but music, a lot of music. And I, I really appreciate this verse Pray, the, pray, the third from the bottom or fourth from the bottom, the praises written by David. What are the praises written by David? Psalms. psalms. In particular, those psalms like Psalm 30 that say in the heading, for the dedication of the temple. I mean, and think about David. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say poor David for a moment because it was David's idea to build the temple and God said, that's a great idea. You're not going to build it, though. <laughs> and he, God says, your son's going to build it instead. And, you know, your, your hands are bloody. That, that was the, the idea. And so David realizes, we've got to wait. Oh, great. God's waiting for one event to happen, and then the temple can get built. And what's the one event? My funeral. <laughs> so what does David do? He says, I could... I could do something. I could write music. David can write music. So he writes music. And he writes and writes and writes. Some of his psalms um, don't have any heading about what they're for. Some of them do. Some of them are for the dedication. Some of them tell us, I was running away from my son Absalom. I was running away from my son Adonijah. I was running away and this guy Doeg the Edomite caught me. And, uh, and I was running here and I was running there because David's always running, running everywhere. And, but a lot of times he just, or making music for the, for, and the, the, look for the, these words also, for the director of music. He writes that a lot. Lamnatseach, it says, for the guy who lifts his hands up, for the director of music. Um, and, uh, and then David writes also sometimes for Jeduthun, and sometimes he writes for this or that musical director. So which choir is it going to be? If I wrote something here at St. Paul's and I said, this is for um, uh, 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 Carlotta, what have I just written? Something for handbells, just because that's who does our handbell choir, right? And if I say, uh, this is for Jill, who have I written it for? What choir does Jill Morgan direct? The little kids, right? Yeah, not the only one, but she directs, you know, and so forth. So that's what David does. Um, and uh, I was going to say something else there too. Oh, the, the musical instruments. David also um, had instruments made, and he himself made some musical instruments. And I wonder about some of them because some of the music he, he performs, he wants it performed according to the way they do music in the city of Gath. 
where David sometimes spent time very bravely because he killed their champion, Goliath. But then he goes there. And so he says, according to Gittith, the way they do music in Gath, you know, we would say, in the New Orleans style, or something like that, right? So, uh, oh, however it, it is, David says like this. Um, and, uh, and I kind of wonder if David even said, you know, came up with things like, you know what, they, this uh, five-string lyre, what if I extended the bottom and made it seven? Yeah, you know. And people are saying, what would you ever use that for? And David was like, I got music for it, you know, and so forth. So, so David, David, David um, wants to be part of this. And so it pours out of him. And it, sometimes um, a, a song pours out very quickly. Um, I did a new piece myself in A minor, um, you know, in D minor, uh, a couple days ago. It took about seven minutes, you know, um, it just sometimes it just happens. Anybody know how long Handel took to write the whole Messiah? Handel's Messiah? Yeah. You know how long it took Jeff Lynn to write Out of the Blue, the great double album by ELO? It's a great album to buy, by the way. <laughs> Jeff Lynn, Electric Light Orchestra. No. <laughs> Those two. That's like when you see two semis on the road. One says Taylor and one says Swift. You're like, oh, what's going on there? But, but uh, 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 Jeff Lynn wrote the album Out of the Blue. Uh, it's it's uh, you know, four sides, a double album, in seven days in this chalet in, in uh, wherever he was. Um, I once wrote a, a, a tape, a 60-minute tape of, I think, 18 songs in four days, recorded it over a Christmas of uh, 1992. Let's keep going here. So seven, right? Where did they slaughter all these animals? That's our question. Solomon consecrated the center of the courtyard that was in front of the Lord's house so that he could present the burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings there because the bronze altar which Solomon had made was not large enough to hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat from the fellowship offerings. Um, uh, can I use you as a, a Judean sheep, please, Jameis? Do you stand up? I want you to turn this way. You're going to hold the backpack as if it's your tail, okay? Because uh, just like that. Because on a Judean sheep, that's how big the tail is. It's ginormous. Um, in fact, there's a picture, thank you, there's a picture I'm very fond of, a drawing from I don't know what century, where they actually, that, uh, to preserve the sheep's beautiful tail, they built a little wagon that the sheep carried around just to hold the tail. Can you imagine... Imagine, uh, what, what dog has the biggest tail? Collie? Uh, St. Bernard? Some, some big, you know, tail like that. And the, sheep, and the thing is, when you cut open that kind of a sheep, the fat typically, and I can attest to this, like an American sheep or goat, is kind of a yellowish white. That's, that's the color. On this, it's like canary, like Green Bay Packer yellow. Okay, that's the yellow of, of, of that fat on that sheep around it. And God says, I want 
the fat that's around the kidneys and around the tail. And obviously, it's that bright yellow fat that when it burns, it's like, oh, oh, it's like better than bacon, you know, in your nose. And it's, you know, it just sizzles and it makes your mouth water. And God says, that's mine. You don't get that. Uh, and so all, that's what the, the fat of these fellowship offerings is um, and so forth. And so at that time, so they, he used the whole courtyard, to the whole front area to do the, you know, to slaughter. And, to, and, and by the way, we're going to find out it was for a whole week. So day after day after day after day of these offerings. It's a lot of people. I don't know. Are you doing the math in your head, Aaron? To find out how many people. I, I, I gave up, so I don't know. Um, yeah. This probably isn't in there, but in your studies, did you ever find out what they did with all that blood? You know, hundred and some animals, and they would usually have a lot of blood. You know what they did? Yeah. Uh, they, what they were required to do was pour it into the ground at the base of the altar. But this would have been a muddy, bloody horror. This would have been like a World War I trench, right, with that much blood and mud and everything. And my thought is, just based on what the book of Numbers and the Deuteronomy tell us about excess stuff and what they were supposed to do for a latrine, I'm, 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 my thought is they probably took whatever the blood they could and poured it out and the rest they would have taken outside of the city as they're told to, to take their waste outside the camp, find a holy place, you know, a place marked off for this, set aside for this. We're going to dump it here. And they probably made, ended up making a little lake, a pond you know, a little bloody pond of that blood until it, until it went. And it would have had, and there would have been a Levite there, uh, probably with a stick and a slingshot. Why? Keep, yeah, yeah, keep the gross animals away. The nesher, the vultures, and, and, and so forth. Hebrew is invading my daily English more and more lately. I see them in the sky and I call them by their Hebrew names. I've been doing a lot of birds in translation lately, but anyway. At that time, Solomon celebrated the festival for seven days. All Israel was with him, a very large assembly of people who had come from as far away as Lebo Hamath, here on the map. That's as far north of Damascus as Damascus is north of the Sea of Galilee. That's way up there. Have you heard of places like Aleppo in the news in the last five years? That's not very far away from Aleppo in Syria. That's way, way up there. And then also, um, uh, back to our verse, and, and the stream uh, or, uh, or uh, gulch of Egypt, um, back to the map, that's at the bottom left of the map. This is the brook here of Egypt. Um, this was... Uh, uh, a rain-fed stream called a wadi or a, they call them in English, an arroyo or a, a gulch or what have you. Um, so uh, uh, that would flow down. They would cross it. The, 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 the highway of the kings crossed it, but you would probably cross it when it was either dry or could be forded. I don't know if there was ever a bridge there. You don't hear a lot about bridges in the Bible, mostly fords. What's a ford? Yeah, you get across because the water's shallow. Yeah, thanks for not saying, you know, the first car or something like that. I, was, I got worried. 
On the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly because they had spent seven days on the dedication of the altar and on the festival. Um, this, it turns out, the day after this one-week festival, when it got over, it was time to begin the Feast of Tabernacles. So they were supposed to be there for a week now to celebrate and to sacrifice and, and so forth and, and all of this meat and, you know, and all of the Because a lot of these were fellowship offerings, which means that they ate. You know, roast the meat, then bring it down. And, and I'm reminded of back in my hometown of um, when we would have a fireman's picnic every summer in, around the 4th of July, softball tournaments and little league tournaments that I played in and so forth. And, and the whole town would come and every grill in town would get wheeled down to the, to the ball fields. And every dad would grill half chickens with barbecue sauce. You know, that's, that was the smell of that was all of these chickens and uh, just chickens, 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 and potato chips and Red Kool-Aid, because apparently there was only red Kool-Aid in those days. And, and, and then the smell of cigarettes and beer and those smells, you know, and bubble gum. That's kind of the, 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 that's the smell of my childhood, but all these chickens. And, and there, for, for, for the 2,000 people in my hometown, there were, they probably were like eight napkins. Everybody just had filth and grease. And I remember the, how many... Um, uh, plays were broken up and how many errors there were in the baseball softball games because the balls were so greasy because guys would go out eating chicken at second base and stuff like that you know and it was just gross and throw the thing away and catch the ball and make the play and give me the bird back and boom, you know and stuff like that but I it just it was a just a big party huge huge party but imagine on the 23rd day of the seventh month, and in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, what else happens? They now had an altar, finally. What do they get to do? The great Day of Atonement. Yeah, the high priest went behind the curtain with the blood and paid for the sins, atoned for the sins of the whole nation. That hadn't happened in I don't know how long. The, the, the tabernacle had been torn apart so long ago at, 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 in, in David's time. Uh, there, there was a piece here and a piece there. And when David was looking for a sword, King Saul came and killed all the priests who had been guarding it. And the one guy who got away, who became the new high priest, he could grab nothing except one thing, the breastplate of the high priest. What was that called? The ephod, that's the only thing he could grab and, you know, and, and got away with. And, and it, was just, it was just carnage to have a government where there is a, a ridiculous leader who, who just is, is crazy out to kill this one other guy. You know, I, uh, the, it happened in the Roman times too. It was just, just hideous. When they left, they were joyful and their hearts were glad because of the good things which the Lord had done for David, for Solomon, for his people Israel. Solomon completed the Lord's house and the king's house. And I'm going to jump forward. We're out of time, but I want to get to the Lord responding. Can I do that in about a minute? The Lord appeared to Solomon at night. I think it's a vision, but it could have been a dream. I've heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself. When I close up the sky and there's no rain, or I command locusts to eat up the land, there they are again, 
or send a plague on my people and on my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal the land. And God says this a couple times in this, in this uh, response. Yeah, when you do that, all the things you just asked for, Solomon, I'll do it. So forgive me, I'm going to skip through a little bit of it. Now my eyes will be open and so forth. Um, and, uh, um, but, okay, the last two verses are three. If your people turn away and forsake my statutes and my commands, which I have given them, and they go to serve and worship other gods, I will uproot them from my soil I have given to them. This house, which I have consecrated to my name, I will toss away out of my sight. God did that, didn't he? Um, I will make it a pr- proverbial as an object of ridicule among the peoples. Though this house is now exalted, everyone who passes by it will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and this house? What is in Jerusalem today where the temple used to be? It's not even a mosque. It's a tourist attraction. It's surrounded by mosques, but the Dome of the Rock isn't really even a mosque. It's just a tourist attraction. Um, It's Disneyland. Um, The answer will be, why? Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out from the land of Egypt, and they embraced other gods. Can I add a word here? They embraced other gods. Solomon. Because he's about to do that. Um, um, Worship them and serve them. That is why he has brought all this disaster on them. Thank you once again for letting me do this. God bless you all. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.